With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, I'm Greg Jenner. I'm the host of You're Dead to Me, and we are back for Series 5. Yes, it's the comedy show that takes history seriously. And on this series, get ready to hear about Frederick the Great of Prussia with Stephen Fry, no less. I'm just thrilled at this history lesson. Or learn a fair old amount, that's a pharaoh joke, about ancient Egyptian queen Hatshepsut with Kima Bob. What a vibe. And take a stitch in time as we discuss the Bayer Tapestry with Lou Sanders. Oh, I'm a gog. Plus we have many other lovely historical subjects where we'll be joined by top historians. That's You're Dead to Me with new episodes every Friday. Johnny good, isn't it? Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com It's been said that the best way to predict the future is to create it. For over 50 years, SAIC has embraced the unknown. Mission focused to build a tomorrow that works for everyone. Bold transformations, digital ingenuity, the explosive thrillingly awesome power of tech so no matter what the future holds we're ready to bring on tomorrow mirror man mirror man you twist and turn my mind until i don't know who i am mirror man Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am here with Johnny. What's going on, Pete? You all right? Yeah, I'm. I'm a, I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit dozed. You know, I'm. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit tired. I'm. I'm feeling like Joe Willock was in the stands after <laughs> a pretty convincing win. Uh, let's just jump right into the football, Johnny. Like hot take after that one. Um. Well, you know, we just had a quick discussion just before hitting record and, you know, I think we both feel quite similar that it was a, you know, it's just a bit of a damp squib of a game. The fact is, is this game is for nothing. So, um, you know, 
it's hard it's hard to get really excited by it when there's no jeopardy involved. We know we're a mid-table team this year. We're playing a team who, let's be honest, that was one of the worst performances I've seen from a team, an, an opposition that we faced in as long as I can remember. I mean, Arsenal are a, a typically timid team. If you get into our faces, we a lot of us go hiding, right? So that is that should be the blueprint for lower you know, teams fighting relegation, etc. Newcastle stood off us, literally let us have the ball right until like when we were about 20 yards outside their box. We're just playing it all around them. They couldn't get the ball back. It was, you know, it was, it was a quite an, quite an exhibition match really, um, with little at stake. But I thought that there was some definite positives to take out of it, not least, uh, Gabriel Martinelli, who I think really proved his point now. For me, like whatever you think about him, Martinelli has proved his point that he can be a danger at the top level. He set up the goal for Aubameyang's one after a great ball to, to him, but he fizzed a wonderful ball across that box. That's that's quality. That's affecting the game. And, um, you know, apart from that, I felt that he was an absolute menace, just terrorising that Jacob Murphy. Going to have nightmares tonight. You know, Freddy Krueger's not showing up. It's Gabriel Martinelli. <laughs> Rock him yeah. up with some, you know, knives on his hands or whatever. Just going, yeah, terrorised you today. Um, and I think that's encouraging because I don't, I don't think Arteta can uh, dissuade any fans at this stage to why he's not giving Martinelli a more regular, consistent chance. I, I think at this stage it's, it's patently clear that he's one of our most dangerous players and absolutely we should, as a club, should be building around not only him but all of our uh, like better youth players, Saka and Smith-Rowe. Um, and, you know, that's that's what the future of Arsenal looks like. Yeah, it's interesting when you say, when you talk about, you know, fans being on side with... Um... With Martinelli, so there's only one person in the world that thinks that <laughs> Martinelli should be on the bench, and that's that's Mikel Arteta. And he kind of gets, I think, after Thursday, uh, the abomination of Thursday night. Um, I think that Arteta knew that he had to put out the certain players, and I'm, I'm glad that Martinelli took his chance. He doesn't have um, he doesn't have that ultimate control. But our, this Arsenal team doesn't need control in the final third. They need directness they need power and pace they need a little bit of innovation and they need someone to actually take chances and I I thought the interesting counterpoint was you've got Martinelli who has not been playing because of the lack of control in his game perceived lack of control and then on the other side you've got William playing who's was was signed to a hefty deal because of his control one offered absolutely nothing all game and the other one proved the point that you know that the future should be players that um that are hungry and um that offer something to our attacking game uh I I, w- I was just I just felt that you know sure we, we beat Newcastle uh, I agree absolutely appalling side like no bite nothing about them like for Steve Bruce side like absolutely nothing about them and um that should have been an opportunity because I've, I've watched Newcastle we, I feel like Newcastle are the team that's on the TV the most in America for some weird reason <laughs> and um you know they've got nothing in attack uh they, they lack they lack pace apart from Almiron who's got really you know poor uh, you know end product and, and I just maximum, thought ma- maximum's good I thought I think yeah, yeah, but he he was kept largely quiet um, today. But my point being that that is um, that those are free minutes, right? It, it, for the fans saying that the league is important at this stage, you're completely wrong. 
Like I, I, I can't hear fa- like fans saying that Arteta is going to get sacked if he doesn't beat Newcastle. It's not true. He could have played Aziz. Why, why is star um, Danny Ceballos? Like, what about this Cottrell kid? Um, what about Flo Balogun, who we made an extremely big deal about? Like, he's, he's, he's not even making the bench. And I don't understand it. And sure, we won the game, but I know what Mo Oneni can do. I know what Danny Ceballos can do. We saw it on Thursday and it was horrendous. I just don't understand the mentality of not having a little look and see, you know, who needs to go out on loan next season? Who wants to step up? Who can make a difference? Like, Saka has or Martinelli just did so I felt like it was a bit of a waste of a game really um and it's it just it it lends a little bit more credibility to the idea that Arteta isn't a massive fan of young players you know I don't know whether that's uh, I feel like that uh, that was an unfair statement at the start of the season but he has to have his hand forced to play teenagers in general and the and but as for giving people minutes and chances, he'll go for anybody rather than give a Haylander a chance. And I, I don't understand a young coach who was given a chance, an opportunity that he shouldn't have got, really, doesn't want to afford the same luxury to the young kids coming through in the squad. It's just, that's a bit demotivating as a fan, um, let alone what it must be as a player. It's not just that. It's also, this is a manager who, you know, was very much getting all the saber rattling to get him out pre-Christmas because we were in such dismal form. I mean, it was relegation form. Let's not forget that. Yeah. And the only reason that he didn't get sacked at that point was because the youngsters, he was forced to put him in the team and they saved his job. Like, but what got me about that and why it's so disturbing when analysing Arteta is you've been given proof that if you give these youngsters a chance, they can do things for you. But... He doesn't seem to learn these things. And he's still doing the same things over and over again. Now when I um, analyse his treatment of so many of the young players, including Saliba, um, you know, even Gwendouzi, you might say, um, the fact is, is at the start, you thought you, you looked at all this imposing discipline. You know, um, he wanted to make sure everyone was ready or whatever. He gave excuses. But when we're playing this poorly... There really is no excuse, you know, um, and, and you said it right, like certainly Balogun, where the hell was he today? He's got to be getting game time. We need to know what we've signed. Like there's, there's, these games don't mean anything. I don't think Arsenal fans watch these games now without anything other than a glazed eye. It's just going in, you know what I mean? Just just going in the head and out the other side. It, it's, it, it doesn't really mean anything. The only thing that ultimately matters is the Europa League and... What I found very interesting was um, Arteta got asked by a reporter about um, whether he's starting to fear the sack. And however he answers that, well, we know he's going to answer that because most managers do. They just say, oh, you know, I'm just focusing on the game and all that stuff. But the, the main point is that reporters are now feeling that that is a line of questioning. Are you worried about the sack? They're putting it out there. So he knows that... That conversation is at least on the table in the media at the very least. Um, so he knows that this is going for his job. Like I think, if you, you know what I've said, said about him with regards to we have to win the Europa League. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you look at the Europa League now, I think he probably has an idea that there's a good chance that game will be for his future Arsenal career. And that's kind of how I want it to be because we cannot 
put in an insipid performance on Thursday. We absolutely have to find whatever it takes to get to the final. Otherwise, I don't think he's got a leg to stand on anymore. Yeah, and I'm I agree with those points. You know the 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 point the biggest point of today is it's is so that lineup. What are you protecting us from, Arteta? Like what you know what what could be worse in the amongst the Haylenders than what we've seen all season? You know, like if we were top three in the Premier League, and you know he's he's a bit worried that Leicester are coming up behind us. I'd understand, but it's like what we were eleventh before this. How much worse can the people be below the players that have taken us to Levin? Danny Ceballos is <laughs> is one paced. He's a he's a fucking donut. Um, you know he's been problematic behind the scenes. He's terrible. You're getting rid of him. He should not be starting after that shameful red card in the week. You I don't re- care. You really him. don't like Ceballos. I, do I, 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 you know I I I liked the idea of Ceballos, but. He wasn't that good last season. Had a, he had a nice end to the season. Gets back in. He's been fucking useless this season. And after a red card, this is the problem with Arteta. It's like, I've got non-negotiables. I'm creating a, a, a winning culture. How is getting a red card in the Europa League when we're getting our foot back in the game? How is that not a breached non-negotiable? And, you know, Arteta's at the moment, he's feeling like a, 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 a CEO of a slick corporation, speaks you know, speaks well to culture. But if you actually go and sit in the organization, you see that it's toxic and it's disgusting and it's rotten. And I just think the the way that Arteta manages his squad at the moment, the way that he rewards players that let him down consistently and the way that he overlooks the things that have saved him over and over again, it just doesn't bode well. And I think um, I think the bigger concern, look, I, I, I really went for Arteta in, in the week, you know, pro... Um, continuation of, of, of a job is is a reward for progress, right? If you can't prove that you're progressing on the pitch, then it's difficult to understand why we keep on giving him more time. And but I think the the bigger concern that I have is I, I worked in I worked for Saracens uh, a few yeah, like years ago, and I, I worked with uh, I worked with the CEO there. He was a, a very interesting guy, and he would talk about coach there uh, he would talk about how you build a team around a coach's weaknesses so that they don't get exposed and I, I love that idea and uh Arteta's obviously got weaknesses uh young man right so he's, uh like ego is always going to be a worry how do we know that ego is a problem because Arteta went into Thursday without a striker you know so ego is a problem um but the the big concern is like what have we wrapped around Arteta? How did Steve Round allow Arteta to make a hideous mistake like that? Where where are the people around Arteta to say you've got to start giving Martinelli game time because he's doing brilliant in training and the alternatives that you're putting out are shocking. You've got to stop playing William. That's a disaster. Yeah. We're not even going to sign him. And the, 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 the worry is that, you know, Arteta is, a, is, is still, he's a world-class coach, but there's so much more to management than just the coaching and the, you know, the, the, the stuff that happens um, behind the scenes. And I don't think Arteta has got anybody guiding him and, I worry that if he doesn't fix these problems in the summer, you know, like the the goalkeeping coach, uh, Bernd Leno wants, you know, he wants out. The goalkeeping coach is a problem at Arsenal. Everybody knows that at Arsenal. 
but he's still there. And yeah. he'll probably still be there next year. And we'll probably get rid of Burnt Leno um, before we get rid of a, of a goalkeeping coach that's crashed his form this season. And it's, um, it, you know, my concern is uh, not only Arteta, but like how people like Vinay and Edu are just allowing this to snowball into uh, into hell because they're weak. They're yeah. weak leaders. So, um, yeah, Arteta, like today is it, whatever. Uh, but my concern is that even if we get through to the final of the Europa League, um, what did we learn this season? What did we learn about the weaknesses in the system? And what are we going to do to change? Because clearly the backroom team that he's got at the moment is not good enough. Mm. Um, and clearly Edu needs to do something to either bolster Arteta or he needs to change him out. But um, I think that if we go in and don't change anything this summer, I think, you know, we are in the Emery zone and by Christmas we'll be in deep shit. So so I think there's a, there's a lot there, to be fair. Um, it's interesting what you're saying, that. But um, first of all, I will push back on, again, on when you say Arteta is a world-class coach, I'm sorry, I, I'm not convinced on that. I, I don't know how we can say this with such clarity. There are things that I am seeing which seem to be, you know, intrinsically flawed. And he's, you know, there are, there are even when we look at who's improved under him, there are some players that have improved under him. There's some players that have stayed the same or gone backwards. Where's this coaching that I keep hearing about? Um, you know, we think of him as like a forward thinker, but then in some ways, all that we keep pointing out is that he continues to make the same mistakes over and over again. It would be different if he was making new mistakes each time, just constantly trying different things to find a solution. Whereas he, he does things that fail and then he does it again. Like, it's just, it's, just, it's crazy. Um, so in terms of, you know, my um, consistent rule, which I've said all the time, is if we win the Europa League, I think he should be allowed to stay. But when I say that as well, I need to qualify one thing, and that is that even if he wins the Europa and he's allowed to stay, the board have to go into him and say, you have to change things. Great, you can stay because you won a cup, but you have to change completely the way things are going because we're not happy with it. He should be on his last warning after Europa League. That's That's what I would say about it. It's not just a stay, everything's forgiven kind of thing. It, there are things here that should worry everyone. Everyone involved in Arsenal, from the fans to the board. But the problem is, and what is glaring now, glaringly obvious, is that, you know, when we think about Vinay and Edu, not so much Edu, but certainly Vinay, these are the people that put Arteta in place. So they are always going to be reluctant to withdraw their support for him because They've made two bad managerial appointments right now. So as Arsenal fans, whilst we might, I would say, rightfully turn on Arteta if, if we come away empty-handed from this season, because it has been awful. Like it's, This is such a bad season. It's unreal. Um, I think we should, you know, turn on him. I've, I've been quite clear about that. The fact is, is why would any of us ultimately have any confidence that these people who... Install, install managers at Arsenal are going to make a good call on the next one because currently they're two for two with shit ones if, if Arteta does end up going because yes we delivered a cup but ultimately this is you know this is the lowest position we're likely to finish since I've been alive I think I mean it's <laughs> uh, sorry certainly since the Premier League started anyway but um, you know it it is concerning and it's doesn't instill you with, as I say, any confidence that they'll make the next one the right choice. And and 
that should give everyone a, a pause for thought, but it shouldn't mean that we reward um, poor results in Arteta. Yeah, but I think it, it, you know, good leadership is um, good leadership is about great decisions, obviously. But you don't always make great decisions, especially on personnel. It is impossible to work out who is going to come into your business and perform at a high level. Sometimes what they've done in a, in a previous job is indicative of what they're going to do for you. Sometimes it's completely the opposite. But people come in, they underperform, or they have quirks in uh, you know in their skill set that you can sort out. If you want to continue with Arteta, who's what's the end of season um, investigation? Like, <laughs> Arsenal always had an investigation for injuries, right? The you know Wenger would be like, yeah, we had a look, and yeah, it was luck. Um, but what's what what's the um, what's the inquiry that they do at the end of the season to go? Okay, on any on any level, this season was absolutely diabolical. What are we doing to change things up? Um, we brought in a we brought in a set piece coach. Um, how many goals have we scored from corners this year? Our, our set our set pieces are an abomination. Um, what who who is protecting uh, Mikel Arteta from making shocking decisions? Because all of you sat in a coaching room and decided that we'd go into the biggest game of the season and not play a striker and put a teenager in a false nine role. That was disgraceful. What can we do to bolster this operation? Because if we like where, you know, potentially where the football is going, if we like this, if we believe in this future forward Manchester City style and we're going to invest money and add five players to see this dream through, because the dream is at 20%, right? You know, it's something's there, but it's at 20% then we need to make some changes and we need to get some more experience in because you as a manager are failing at the moment at like these three things. Yeah. I don't know whether like Vinay doesn't know what he's doing. No. Edu is not a leader by any stretch. And you, you know, you can see that Edu isn't a leader because Kia gives him a call and says, sign Cedric, sign William. And he just goes along with it. So it's um it's 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 a big operation for Arteta and Edu in the summer to get the right players in, but it's also a big operation for Vinay to actually be a CEO for once in his life and take some tough decisions, make some changes, force the hand of Arteta. Arteta should have no power going into this summer. Thirty-nine years old, taking us to ninth in the Premier League, overseeing the worst run ever. Like he should he should be welcoming any help that he's getting you know he he should not be um he should not be in a position of power like maybe he was last season so um and also you know part of my worry is um like the vision of the club you know rumblings that we were in for Coutinho so what did we learn from last season's transfer window and what is going to happen this window? It should all be young players. Everybody should be under the age of 24 that comes into the system. But my gut feel says if you give 100 million to Edu, he's going to spend it on some dross again. He's going to get his mates in again. And then we're in this terrible situation because there's no vision. There's no leadership from a technical director perspective. And it will probably be put on the shoulders of Arteta because he seems like the dominant one in the partnership there. Mm. it's interesting I agree with practically everything you said there to be honest it's just um, you know what I would say you know is when you talk about what Arteta and Edu will do in the summer before when you I think you asked me before about whether I actually believe Arteta will be sacked if we don't win the Europa League and I 
said that ultimately I'll be calling for it, but I don't necessarily think they'll have the guts to do it. I'm slightly changing my mind on that in terms of I, I think there's a real chance he might get the sack if we don't win the Europa League. When when there are stories getting leaked to the press that Arsenal are um, look basically surveying options for replacement managers, that's I don't think that's coming from nowhere. I really don't like. I mean, it could be, of course, it's rumor, but ultimately. I think often with these things, something like that's going on at the very least. Um, so, and I think the pressure will really ramp up if we don't. If we get knocked out of that competition, I think there'll be a lot of fans saying, that's it. You know, tear it up and start again. And I don't think anyone could make, personally, a strong enough case to say, there's too much here that we couldn't, you know, it would be a shame to lose. There's it, Everything's up in the air at the moment of where Arsenal could go. And I think... I, I tweeted out the other day, you know, with regards to the Europa League, and I don't think it's kind of hyperbole. I, I legit think this, that this competition for Arsenal could genuinely define the next decade for the club, at least. Because I saw you go big on that comment. I was in agreement, yeah. I think you are right, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's um, you know, I'm, I'm not just trying to whip it all up. It, it's more, if you genuinely look at where the club are and our overall decline... um. If you look at the prospect of having to sack the manager, whether it's now in the summer or three months down the line, it will, it will come, um, just like Emery. Um, he, he basically has to win this to, one way or another, even if you're not convinced by him, restore that winning mentality to the club, because we would have picked up two major trophies in 18 months. That's legit. Like I, You know, this is why I keep coming back to sparing him, if you like, if we do get this success. It's It's... When we talk about a culture shift, that would define a culture shift because we picked up two major trophies, um, you know, one of them being our first European Cup in basically 30 years. That is enough for me to get a pass grade. That That's how I see it. But if not, I think even the board, especially when you reflect on how they're coming under pressure themselves. I mean, you know, the majority of the fan base want a change of ownership and obviously bundled in that would be a change of, you know, CEO in Vinay. Um, I'm basically more of the opinion that most Arsenal fans would want a complete sweep. If we don't win at Europa, just get get rid of everyone from the manager to the top dogs and replace the owners. That's what we'd probably be better off doing and... You know, whether it is a Daniel Ek or a, a Dan Goatee and, you know, just starting again, because we don't really have that much to hang on to right now. Um, like you say, with regards to a vision, um, outside of we've got some very good young players who we think could be great, but they're not quite there yet. And they possibly need a new manager to bring the best out of them over a longer period. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I look, I, I don't think. I don't think he's getting sacked this summer. I mean, he he would have to go down to a you know five nil at home for for something like that to be put on the agenda. But you are right on the leaks. So um, leaks come from all sorts of different places. Sometimes it's a manager trying to raise their profile, um, and that that usually happens when there's a vacant job. Sometimes the leaks start happening because players. Uh, whining to the press and agents are whining to the press. And usually that's the precursor of something going down. It certainly was uh, with Unai Emery when the, the leaks started happening, you knew it was trouble. And Arteta yeah. is struggling with leaks now. A lot, you know, we had the, we had the Bern Leno story 
um, a few weeks ago that he's uh, told the club that he wants to go this summer. That's not a good sign for a player that was pretty happy. Um, We've had the leaks from senior players about the way that they feel that they're being thrown under the bus. Um, So there's not a happy camp. That's no. problematic. And I think the, the thing with the Europa League is, yeah, sure. Like he wins the Europa League and he actually looks like, you know, he's a, he's an elite manager all of a sudden. But poor leadership goes into the summer after the, you know winning the Europa League and says everything is okay. Great leadership says you might have won that, but yeah. this was a disgraceful season. It was yeah. even disgraceful how you bummed your way to the Europa League final. So I don't <laughs> want you coming in and asking for a promotion or a new deal. You are on thin ice, my friend, and we're going to yeah. fix some of the problems because um, losing to Villarreal, Emery, losing to an Emery side is humiliating. I don't care what happens in the second leg. That wasn't good enough. And um, the Slavia Prague um two two legs wasn't good enough you know sure we got through in the second leg but none of this is convincing mm. uh, and even, even today you know 19 shots against Newcastle five on target uh, like it, it was it wasn't a convincing win and it never is a convincing win and when Klopp was up and down with Liverpool when he didn't have a great squad squad to work with he occasionally had a five nil or a six nil yep. or a four nil we we don't get that no. You'd never get that. Um, you know, and I like that, that, that 19 shots is, is you know, Wenger in his peak days. But, but the, you know, not, it didn't really feel like we were ever going to score. It didn't feel like we were pushing the goalkeeper. And that's my concern. It's like, uh, like where, where are we 18 months in? I mean, we're at least not where we were at December. But that's not, a, that's not something to celebrate. You weren't. You're, you're, we're better than our worst ever period of the last thirty years. I don't think that that's something to rally behind. Um, but you know, like you can fix these things. Sometimes you can make these tweaks and pivots. And sometimes having better leadership coming in and actually being honest and candid with a young coach that's got a lot of potential and saying these things need to change if you're going to survive. And maybe you know, Arteta's obviously a sharp guy. I hope he realizes if he fucks this, he's not getting a big job. There's no, no big job. There's no there's no Barcelona calling. Barcelona are not going to hire the guy, uh, the guy that took Arsenal to ninth in the Premier League. Their fans will no protest. Yeah, you know, Manchester no City are not going to come sniffing. Doesn't matter how much they like his coaching. He showed that he couldn't hit it at the highest level. And you know, if he gets fired, then the leaks will really, really kick off because players will just tell their agents, and then you'll hear all of the stories about what's gone on behind the scenes. And I don't think that will reflect well on him. So I think he's in danger. Whatever happens in the Europa League this week, and I think that um, bumming your way to a final and winning like a great like winning ugly in the Europa League, I, I, it's it's not doesn't quite have the prestige of what Mourinho did for Inter Milan. No, no way. I mean, yeah, there's lots there that, again, I'm I'm in agreement on. It. Uh, you know, one thing to say, though, is I don't think it's a gimme that we're going to get through against Villarreal, you know. Like, I think... Absolutely what, not. Yeah, what's happened with that result is because it looks so bad after the red card and being down to 2-0, the fact that we, with 10 men, had to manage to get a away goal... Like, we're just walking away really happy, and obvious, there's obvious reasons for that. But that is by no means an assurance. Like, we still have to go and beat them, you know what I mean? And we're probably going to have to score a few goals. Where are these few goals coming from? We don't look particularly coherent when we go forward, um, or dynamic. This is why the omission of Martinelli at times is so baffling, you know, and this is where 
for me, if Arteta realised how much pressure he was under, he should be going for that. Um, you know, but in terms of um, the the way the you know the clubs kind of set up above Arteta and and whatnot, and whether they could kind of help him, of course. But what you've also got to remember is Vinay, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't know what he's doing either. So it's not just. Arteta that doesn't know seem to know what he's doing in terms of his in his infancy in a CEO role. Vinay's not done loads of work at football clubs, you know, dragging football clubs to the top. He's not got that uh, prestige, you know, in 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 terms of on his resume. So for for me, when they get under pressure, they also have to have someone to throw under the bus because otherwise, Vinay's like, I'm not going to sack myself. You know what I mean? So it's got to be the manager, and I think that. There's a good argument now for we need, whatever way this happens, a manager that can work in spite of poor leadership and poor ownership and just be so... You know, look, this conversation come up a little bit and I was staunchly Wenger out, okay? And I and I remain, you know... Don't go there, Johnny. I definitely... Don't, don't say it. You will never get me saying it, trust me. But there are some elements that I certainly can concede that Wenger managed to do because as much of a dictator he was, an all-power-engrossing uh, dictator at Arsenal, he was actually reasonable at his job. Like, and he just delivered the minimum, which was what killed us over, like, killed the fans' spirit over such a long period. But, you know, in terms of how he grabbed the reins of the club and just made them perform in his image, which for a large part of his career, was very good. We might need a coach that is, again, that single-minded and that um, capable of delivering success with you know, lesser resources than the most funded teams. And obviously, Wenger stopped doing that towards the end, as far as I'm concerned. Yes, a few FA Cups uh, notwithstanding, but you know, it didn't really look like we were ever going to be in a league for a long time. And uh, I think if there is a manager that is suitable that we think could come in and instill properly a new culture at the club and uh again not have to rely on having a technical director who is capable you know because it, it we haven't got one currently um i think that could be a route out of this you know uh, and uh, a kind of arsenal that we could all get excited about again because right now i think you know the feeling of being disillusioned is something that's quite you know, um, it's something that a lot of the Arsenal fans are feeling. Basically, I think we've got to do. I think we've got to do both. Really, I think you've got to. You know, if if the worst happens, and you, firstly, my concern is if the worst happens, there's probably no plan in place. I would love to imagine that Arsenal was sitting there mapping out where they're going with the type of players, and then what the what the backup plan is. You know, like really, and I know people will. Give me pelters for this. If you get rid of Arteta, you should probably be looking at someone like Graham Potter to come in, more experienced, been at a whole bunch of clubs. Like Brighton are one of the best coached clubs in the in the Premier League, and I and I mean that. If they had a goal scorer, it, you know, they'd be 10, 15 points better off. Um, you know, they, they, they and they play a similar sort of style of football that I think Arteta is trying to instill. Um, maybe, uh, you know, I always liked what he did. I think he was the club he was in um, in Norway, not as Helsingborgs, was it? I don't. Know. Whichever club he was at in Norway, the approach in Norway was that they would sign players with like 
bad attitude problems that didn't hit, you know, that had, had all sorts of issues. And he'd bring this like, but almost like um, the uh, Bill Belichick does. He brings in the wild cards, the the people that can't be tamed, and he puts them in. He puts them in a structure and makes them play a certain way. And he, you know, he. he uh, what was the team called? Austin Ostersons. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think it was Ostersons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But the um, uh, Grand Potter could deal with difficult personalities, and I know it's at a much lower level when you're trying to make them survive. But um, like, we should try and continue. Like, we need to continue on this path. And what you don't want to do is go right. Arteta, everything about that Arteta idea was incorrect. Let's go for a Mourinho sort of, yeah, because yeah. that's what Spurs did. Spurs should have gone from Pochettino, charismatic leader that got players to go above and beyond for him, and they should have hired somebody like Nagelsmann or Marco Rosa, who's going to Dortmund. Arteta, the Arteta idea is correct. Future forward football, great coaching, better than some of your parts. Just not working at the moment. And I just hope that if we do move on, like, don't try and... I don't think that there's... I don't... There are three rock star managers in the world, maybe, uh, Guardiola, who has a brilliant team built around him. Jurgen Klopp, who has an incredible team built around him. And then uh, Thomas Tuchel, I'm not sure you could quite call him a rock star manager. Didn't, you know, good manager, great manager, but like, is he a rock star? I don't know. And then outside that, it's like, who are you bringing in that could really do it? Well, without... Zidane's got to be in that category as well now. I, I, I mean, Zidane is a rock star, yeah, but he's also got a very expensive squad of players and a good, you know, a, a good like feeder system of players yeah. coming into him. But so is Guardiola. He's got a blank checkbook and he still, you know, rightly, in my opinion, gets praised for his approach to the game and his ideas, as well as the fact that we all know he's got the most money. Um, but yeah, you, do you know what? I, I, I wouldn't shoot down the Graham Potter idea. I think there's some legs in that. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say we should be sold on someone like that at this stage. I think that whoever it is, we need to do our background research on them for the first time. Like, you know, this is what... The the issue for me with Arteta is this. When we signed him, you know, and Matt made the point a few weeks ago about, you know, we say we'll give a young manager time and then here we are 18 months later. Yeah, but... Which I, I do get his point. But the fact is, is when we're, have, when we're having an appalling, appalling season, you must factor in when you give a manager his first job that it could be an absolute catastrophe and he won't have the tools to get himself out of it because he's got no evidence of proving himself to be able to get himself out because it's his first job. So, you know, it's irrelevant how good anyone thinks Arteta is or potentially could be later in his career. The fact is, he's just not delivering on on his role and on his responsibility to the team. And if anyone instilled him thinking it will be a good idea to kind of take a punt on a young talent and see where it takes us, that's fine. But you've got to be able to get off the train when it's running off the tracks. Like, you know, you've got to be able to get out of that situation if it doesn't go well. You can't just blindly um, kind of support a guy when he's got no evidence to speak of to show that he can get himself out of this situation. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, you know, whether it be Graham Potter... Or I, I, you know, what you were saying, I actually think is a really good point. I, I don't think... The idea of Arteta should be, we should get away from in the sense that we should be looking at younger coaches with fresh ideas. We don't want to, you know, I still think that a potential solution would be Rafa Benitez at Arsenal. And I know you've not been particularly happy with that idea. 
Um, and I understand why I do. It would feel like a bit of a step backwards, but we'll see what state the club's in, to be fair, um, when Arteta does go if we um, lose the Europa League final. So, uh, Europa League uh, semi even. And I think that I, I would prefer to take a, a chance on a Graham Potter or insert young, exciting manager here than a Rafa Benitez. But I think that those are the, our two uh, like avenues out of it, where you get someone in who's proven that he can come into a club and work with virtually non-existent owners and support from above and get good results. And or a Graham Potter who's got Brighton playing very well, you know, with not the most luxurious of uh, squads, no. so <laughs> to say the least. So I think that you know. That for me would be a braver decision to go for one of these younger coaches, but you know, and and I think Graham Potter certainly should be on that list, and you know that that would at least interest me. Yeah, I think I just think we've got to just got to continue. Like if 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 the belief is like when um when football clubs change philosophy over and over again, it's very difficult to get into a run. Spurs had an exciting bunch of young players coming through and they played a certain style of football and they should have continued that with the next manager. They didn't. And now they're in an expensive rebuild phase. Um, RB, you know, the RB franchise, uh, Nagelsmann goes to Bayern Munich and then Jesse Marsh is coming in. And then, and Jesse Mark, he's he's, um, trained in the principles of RB. So the, the footballer RB probably has like five principles of how they play and they always play that way. And they're never like, they're always going to be around the top four in Germany because they never rock the system. Yeah. Whereas Arsenal went from Arsene Wenger's beautiful football to Unai Emery's negative, timid, weird thing. And we didn't really see that project through, thankfully. And now we're back in Arteta, which is like this Manchester City possession-based football, which I think is the direction Arsenal fans want to go right I don't want I don't want to go back to to shithousing I don't want Nuno like let's let's carry on with this project with these young players that can play that style but if Arteta isn't the man that can deliver it and if he's not connecting with the players and he can't get a performance in a semi-final away game in the most important competition of the year then there are there are problems but I think what will happen on Thursday is that it's definitely not a given but Arteta's not going to make it about him on Thursday. You can you can guarantee that. He's not going to try a galaxy brain setup. He's not going to make that mistake again. I think it will be players in their correct positions. I'm a little bit yeah. worried that he's going to start Aubameyang. I thought he looked tired today. But ultimately, you start Aubameyang as a nine, surround him with the, the, the elixir of youth and chances, then I think we've got a good chance. You know, we, we only have to win 1-0. Um and Callum Chambers looked pretty good when he came on. At least Callum Chambers can play the ball out the back. Yeah. I, I, I've, for me, after today, I think Martinelli should be getting a game. I'd, if he's fit, I would play him. Like, he he just looks dangerous. Like, it's, you know, he's not always the finished product with some of the things that he does. There's a few rough around the edges things, which I would hope, through watching him, he will have the skill set to be able to eradicate from his game but he needs to play games now and he needs to show how he can affect games. And um, for me, I'd get Martinelli on. I know they might go to Pepe and obviously Pepe's been sick in, in um, 
the uh, Europa League this year. Good, wonderful goal-scoring record. So he has a good argument for starting. I'm just saying that I, I do think that we're more dangerous when Martinelli's around. He, he adds something to the squad, that bite, that aggression. and He's like Sanchez. He's like Sanchez. Exactly. In peak Sanchez mode, you've got someone who... But do you know, this is another thing, and I just don't want to keep banging on Arteta all the time, but I, I don't know if it was a point you were making the other day, but if you look at how Arteta wants to play, the players that would help facilitate that way of playing, he tends to drop. You want to play with a high press. Well, who's your best geezer to high press? That's Martinelli, and you don't play him. You know, you want to be able to play out from the back. Well... Granted, he likes to play with David Luiz sometimes, but then you're playing Rob Holding in there. He, he can't play out from the back. He's really, you know, slow and lumbering on the ball, I think. Um, and that's why when you see someone like a Saliba, who's out, like, you can't tell me, especially in these dead games, that Saliba couldn't come in, even make some mistakes. So what? He's the, he's, I'd probably say, from what I've seen, he's as good as anyone we've got on the ball in, the, in our back line. He's comfortable on the ball. He brings the ball out. So let him have these games. Why is he on loan when you could be letting him have these dead rubber games to find himself in the Premier League so he's ready to start next year? And that's the kind of lack of forward thinking that is really starting to alarm me at the moment, you know. Um, but he, I do. On the defence, here is one thing. David Luiz, when we needed him at the end of the season, got injured. Mm. And he's come back in today and he's injured again. If that isn't a big fucking warning sign that you can't give him a deal next season, then I don't know what is. I, I will lose all faith if we. And he's a he's you know one of our best defenders at the moment. But uh, you know Meza Özil was our best attacking midfielder in, yeah. in December, and now and, and then he wasn't. So it's like there there comes a point where you've just got to cut him out. If he's pulled his hamstring, that shows that he's not he's not going to be fit enough. We know that he's always going to give at least five horrendous performances. We know yeah. he's got three or four red cards in him and we know he gives away penalties. Time to go. Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 you're completely right with that assessment. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, there's no, you know, forward thinking solution that involves David Luiz at Arsenal any, anymore. This is, this should be his last season. Um, we've already tied ourselves up with so much money and dead players. Um, Willian, I mean, again today. Just I, I don't really know what he does, though, to be honest. So I'm not even going to bang on him. It's just like, this is what you do, isn't it? You just walk around the pitch. You don't really... There's nothing going on there anymore for him. He looks like he's um, rediscovered his form from earlier in the season, which is dreadful form. So, um, you know, I, I think we've, whatever happens we're, with the manager... Um, the club are going to need to invest in this squad. We definitely need a revolution of at least six players. I would say. I mean, that is it's alarming, but it's true. I think it I is think true. Six players, yeah, you know, it's true. Um, and I think that we, I don't. If anyone is looking at this season and this squad and thinking this is, you know, we're nearly there. We're we're just a couple of players away. Then you're not paying attention. This needs a a massive overhaul at the club, and I think some real honest conversations need to get had, exactly like you were saying, regardless of whether we win the Europa. Um, and some players just simply will not be invited back. Certainly Danny Sabayas, you're playing your last few games, mate. We don't want you back next year. That, that was awful. Um, and there are other other ones who should be told in no uncertain terms that you're playing for your place in the Arsenal squad because 
if you serve up anything like that season again, you'll be gone before the end of the year. You know, we've got to think about this. We're gonna we're gonna lose our goalkeeper. Um, <laughs> we're gonna lose our best centre back. Like it or not, it's David Luiz. Yeah, we're gonna lose our best striker because Alex Lacazette's probably gonna have to go. Otherwise, why did you sign uh, mm. Balogun? And that's that's quite a lot. That's quite a lot before, and that's before Reese Nelson. That's before Eddie Nketiah. Um, that's before Hector Bellerin, who's really kind of our best right back as well. It's like there's a there is a there is a lot to do. There's a lot to do this summer just to get to a squad of twenty five players. But yeah. it needs to happen, right? But if we have a if we have a big summer like we had a big January, and they sign in younger players or at least. Um, you know, I, I think Liverpool always do such a great job of when they sign Premier League ready players. Like Basuma would be a brilliant signing because we know that he can play the style of football we want and we know he can play in the league. It's But if we have to hodgepodge all of these foreign players and they've got to take seven months to bed in, the start of the season could be slow. And if the start of the season is slow after a massive summer, Arteta's in deep shit because fans will be in the stadium and there'll be everybody's very militant at the moment. You're looking at the United fans. Um, wow. You 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 imagine what it's going to be like if Arteta has a bad ten games because it will be normalised to take flares into the stadium, to take massive banners, and to go to the max because everyone's got that pent up aggression. So. I think it's uh, it's going to be a difficult summer, but it's going to be an even tougher start because it has to be good. Yeah, I mean it's interesting as well, and you and you raised the um, United protest as well, which is an interesting point, I think, because you know from what we've seen, and it's basically happening as as we're recording here, um, the fans have basically burst through the gates and gone onto the pitch. You know, several hundred of them, um, all running around on the pitch. And doing what the hell they want. It, you know, I said to you before we were calling it about, it's like football's equivalent of the Capital Riot, you know, just without a geezer looking like Jamiroquai running around. That's it. But, <laughs> um, you know, that, that, whatever, you, whatever you say about it, um, football is always, um, it's both defined and helps define society. You know, it, it's, when people, these ridiculous people say football's just a game, they're, they don't, they're not realising the kind of social impact that football has. And and vice versa, how things that are happening in society affects football. It, it's, it's reciprocal in that way. And at the moment, I think, due to the pandemic and the fact that everyone's been locked up for so long, people do have that kind of pent-up aggression. And, and obviously, there's been a lot of social justice movements that have kicked off as well. People are ready to protest. You can feel that energy in the air because I think a lot of people want change one way or another because it has been a a tough period. And that's why I think that when they made that mistake of the European Super League, they've put a massive target on their backs, the owners. And I don't think that fans are just going to take this shit. (laughs) I I think fans are genuinely, they've had enough. And when they say, oh, yeah, we're not selling, we're not selling, it's like, we are going to seriously kick off, get out. And I, I think a lot of them will end up going out of this because it starts to, you know, when when people start putting, and I'm not I'm not encouraging, by the way, um, people to break into a stadium and trespass and stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But you can't help the fact that that will have an impact when fans are so, 
infuriated that they're willing to burst into stadiums and stuff, things have to change because there's no other way of continuing with the norm. And, you know, I don't know, whilst I'm not necessarily encouraging people bursting into stadiums, absolutely, I do hope that it brings about a pressure on these owners and it might bring about a change in ownership at our club because I think, personally, we desperately need it. Activism is contagious. Yeah. And I think that, I think that what those United fans have just done, I mean, I love, I love you listen, you don't have NBC. We, we, we get NBC and they're like, you know, um, everybody's got a right to protest, but you know, this sort of thing, delaying the games, it's like, no mate, the whole reason that they're in that stadium is they want to delay the games. And part of the reason the fans are angry is because their Saturdays and their Sundays get delayed because of you mm-hmm. and your scheduling and your global audience push. And um, I, I, I think that the biggest mistake of the super league, and I can't remember who said it, maybe it was Simon Jordan. He said, he said, the, the 12 clubs picked a fight and then didn't throw a punch. And it's, it, it's, it's like if, if a coup happens, the worst thing you can do is forgive people and move on because they will just come back again. Yeah. And because the fans smashed the billionaire class, now the fans think that they've got control, um, um, rightly so. And now they're like, well, if we can convince you not to take 500 million pounds in season one, then maybe we can convince you to pack up your bags and leave yeah. and go away. So, um, you know, a few weeks ago when you were talking about um, a possibility of ownership change, I was like, I'm not sure about that, Johnny. And now I'm, I'm starting to, I'm, I'm starting to move over to your side on these things because um, there is a demonstration that fan action can have an outcome. And the, I know that it's the Daily Mail talking about Stan putting the club up for sale for 1.7 billion. But the article says in financial circles, it is now widely understood that there is an asking price. And if you are, if, if you are Stan Kroenke, what are you holding on to? It's going to cost you 400 million to get back to the top. It's going to be painful and your, your commercials are not going to catch up and it's going to take a while for fans to get back into the stadium. Like, why wouldn't you just say, Mate, fuck it. I, like, I prefer the, the, the LA Rams is going to be the most spectacular thing in American sport when it's finished. Let's just, let's just concentrate on that. Fuck all of that nonsense that's going on for Arsenal. So I wonder whether there might be uh, a willingness to maybe just cut their losses. Not, not even losses, cut their profits because you know, they, they, they did yeah. not buy for a lot of money. Well, everything you said there, I agree with basically. It's, um, you know, it's interesting what you were talking about with the NBC <laughs> people complaining that these pesky English fans are ruining our entertainment. Shut up. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think there is a very real chance Cronky will leave at this. He's going to have a depreciating asset at the end of the day because as fans, we have openly said we want you gone. So you are going to lose revenues one way or another if it means um, a reduction in um, merchandise sales like kits and Adidas are getting onto Arsenal going, hold up, we're, we're you know earning half as much as we did last year on shirt sales but, and they're openly saying it's because of you. Like This isn't good for us. This isn't good for our partnership, our deals, the money we pay you. Um, and I think that Cronky will know if, you know, if, we don't win that Europa League. The fans will openly come out and say, we want you gone. So he can stay there in a kind of like hostile um, 
kind of power grab that well it's not so much a grab he's already got it but you know he he stays there in in embittered by the fans who hate him and he's just hanging on to it out of almost spite or um a willingness to show he can't be bullied out but the reality is is you look at America you look at the LA Rams for instance that's a franchise that was packed up from its area and they just go right we're moving you to another another city because we think that's a better market that's how he views sports clubs sports franchises St Louis was his hometown (laughs) it's absolutely disgraceful now because he's got that experience of being able to do that in America he thought in concert with a bunch of other billionaires that they could run that kind of shit in England with English football and they got told off it's that simple because you know whether they he was talking about um relocating Arsenal to another city is irrelevant it wasn't so much that it's more we're relocating you to another league if you will um yeah. and taking ourselves away from we're going to not play you know uh, they say about staying in the premier league but ultimately the shift would have moved to the super league and we instead of playing burnley we'll be playing real madrid and and you know that's what he thought he could do and i think that at this point all of the bridges are burned with him and I just don't see that there's a way back. So he will leave the club. He will have to. It's just a matter of when because the fans are not going to forgive him for what he's done. He overplayed his hand and I don't think they should because he was he hasn't been a great owner before that. So enough's I, enough for me. I, I, uh, I thought the point that you made about Adidas was really interesting. There's a story in the Daily Mail again. I've just been on Daily Mail all week. Um they say that Adidas have been complaining to United that shirt sales are massively down and they're pissed. And I wonder whether this Super League thing is is peak football. Like, whether, like if there were a lot of analysts saying that the numbers that they were putting together for Super League just don't marry to any sort of fundamentals. There's just not enough money in the system to, to, to make that work. So... Stan thought that he was going to get an extra 12 billion over yeah. 23 seasons or, or or whatever it was but now that's gone and however they you know however they try and make the super league happen is it, com- competition will have to be at the core of it yeah. and if competition has to be at the core of a co- of, of 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 success that means Stan's got to spend money yeah that Arsenal don't have and that Arsenal don't generate on their own so i i wonder whether um whether the the loss of the Super League is maybe the re, you know there will be a dawning reality in the game that football hasn't got much further to go you know like yeah. you can say India you know maybe maybe India is going to pick up some slack but are they going to pay that money and is is it ever going to dislodge the nation's favorite sports like Perfect, like yeah. we're we're kind of maxing out in in countries that love football and I, I just wonder. I wonder whether Stan will see the writing on the wall and um, and jump out while the club is still valued at peak. Because you're right, if it goes any further, if we keep on moving along, we'll still be a valuable club, but we won't fetch the sort of numbers. I think he could get two billion for Arsenal, no problem. Yeah, yeah I do as well, and and I think that you know, there's, what's the point for him? Like, we don't want you at the cup. There is no one. I am confident of coming on this podcast and saying. We want Cronky out. I don't think I'm going to get a strongly worded email going, Johnny, you don't speak for me. I like Cronky. There aren't any fans supporting this guy. He's a joke. 
Get out. No one's happy with the way the club's being run. No one likes the appointments that you've made, the fact that you don't spend money, the fact that you're disinterested, and the fact that you tried to uproot a valuable, valuable part of all of our lives and disgrace the values and history on which this club is built upon. You're a disgrace and you should leave. Take your things and get out. And at the end of the day, again, I, I don't really know... Um, whether it will be Daniel Ek, you know. But I, at the end of the day, look, I, I said before, I, d- I don't think there are any particularly nice billionaires, you know. But no. It, it, uh, he sounds like one of the better ones <laughs> in terms of to potentially take over a club because of his history and in kind of innovation. And I don't think he'd just sit... If he's a fan and he's innovative and obviously he's been successful... I don't think he'd mess around. I think he would come in and, and with those custodians in place, the deal is offered, your Burkamp, your Henri's, your Vieiras, I want to see all of them there. Um, I would feel much more comfortable about how Arsenal would look. Um, I think any deal realistically now, and this is again about where the fan pressure should be maintained, any deal for Arsenal now, when a prospective owner comes in, I think fans in concert, in very clear unison, should be saying, we want involvement in the future of the club. We want to be involved in decisions at the club. I'm not talking about everyone gets a vote on who we sign in, the, yeah. <laughs> in like a Sky Sports poll for who we sign in the summer. But if you want to make big decisions like a European Super League, that needs to be going out to supporters' trust, to fan base, and we, and we should have you know, surveys, polls being taken of whether that would be an acceptable thing for Arsenal to be moving forward from. And I think someone like a Daniel Ek maybe would do that sort of thing. He doesn't strike me as a kind of silent, um, you know, um, kind of overlord like Cronky has been for us. Yeah, I like the idea of Daniel Ek, you know, like the some of the best owners... Uh, you know, have transferable skills. Hoffenheim is owned by the go the guy who founded SAP, so they're like data driven and they punch above their weight. I'll be the Red Bull franchise is owned by a guy who has a Formula One team and they use yeah. their data practices in their football. And just to have somebody in charge that can run competent businesses, hire competent people, and create a vision. Spotify, I know that it's horrible to musicians and I know that musicians listen to this, but um, it, it was a vision, a difficult vision to realize. And he's changed the face of music. And it's like, if you took that approach to Arsenal, my one concern is that he doesn't have the money to buy us outright because he'd be mad to spend half of his wealth on that. And then you start inviting a consortium of people and consortiums tend to want their money back. And then do you start getting into, oh, Daniel Ek is here and we've got a Spotify logo on our shirt and it looks fucking awesome, but we're in a leverage buyout and we're doing the same thing that Man United are doing. And, you know, the interest is a cruise. But look, I think we're at a stage where it's like anyone would be better than what we've got right now. I mean, Dan Goaty as well, who hasn't been, he's kind of been overshadowed in recent times. First of all, he's richer. One more time. There are no nice billionaires. <laughs> None. Doesn't exist. But he's richer than Stan Kroenke. He's got so much money. Um, Africa's richest man. I think the popularity of Arsenal in the whole continent of Africa is already big and only getting bigger. We're, I, I believe we're the most supported team out in Africa. 
Um, and I think that Dangote coming in, I think, would uh, kind of um, further propel that movement of us becoming, you know, the biggest team in Africa with all of the emerging markets out there as well. And I think that, um, you know, I, I, ultimately, it's just a rich overlord. So which one we're going to get? But I, the kind of, you know, hearing rumblings you get from Dangote is he wouldn't mess around if he come in. It would be big money getting laid out. And I mean, I know, you know, we go, oh, we don't, we don't want to be like City and Chelsea. Listen, I, I would like some good players <laughs> getting signed for big money. I would like that. It would be nice. So, you know, why not someone like that as well? We'll, we'll, we'll have to see. But I think he could easily match Stan's asking price from the reports I hear on his wealth. He's got that and some extra change. The um, the Lagrove traffic uh, numbers, the, my, the third biggest country that comes to my website, the third most hits come from Nigeria. And um, a few Nigerians were like, you don't know hell and, and you won't know hell until Dangote takes over Arsenal. <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't too praiseful of him but yeah I, I i've had a few arsenal fans that like i i don't give a fuck who it is i want somebody that sees arsenal as a toy um an ego play and they just want to throw all their cash at it and you know you get you get to the point where you're like I, I i like i would I would be fine with that as well. Like we're we're never gonna we're never gonna find a billionaire that hit. I, I do find it. What I do find amusing though is that um, Arsenal's obviously got a very sort of media, entertainment, music sort of fan base, and fans fussing over Daniel Ek like they fuss over their Crouch End <laughs> coffee beans. Like always, oh, is you know crazy. All right. Well, that 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 spiraled. That spiraled. I thought we were going to do this in thirty minutes, but that was a good chat, Johnny. Yeah, enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, we move forward to the big one. We do. Um, wh- who's on your podcast this week? Um, none other than the hysterical Marlon Davis. He's a very funny comedian and he was talking about the fact that he's got a teenager, a teenage boy now who, um, has basically banned him from going on TikTok, said basically his dad's too embarrassing to go on TikTok and he should only be allowed to go on Facebook because that's his generation. That kind of buzz. It's a really funny conversation about, um, yeah, what it's like to be a father to a teenager. And um, you should go and listen to it. Check it out. It's called the How's Your Father podcast, available where you get all your podcasts. Awesome. Um, And then just to close out... Let's get on those reviews on iTunes. Say something nice um, about Johnny and his views on Stan Kroenke because maybe he, maybe he was right and we'll, we'll see that play out over the next few weeks. And if you want to come back next time, we will be here on Thursday with an On The Whistle podcast to discuss whether Arteta is in or out. Uh, on that note, ciao for now. American corn farmers, a proud and chosen profession inspired through generations. Tested, resilient, and committed to giving back as much as they're growing, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with every bushel, while replenishing every increasingly precious resource, like the reduction of soil loss by 40% with every acre grown. In a world where sustainability matters more than ever, we need all the help we can get. And there's no greater resource than the capable hands of American corn farmers. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
Hello, I'm Greg Jenner. I'm the host of You're Dead to Me, and we are back for series five. Yes, it's the comedy show that takes history seriously. And on this series, get ready to hear about Frederick the Great of Prussia with Stephen Fry, no less. I'm just thrilled at this history lesson. Or learn a fair old amount, that's a pharaoh joke, about ancient Egyptian queen Hatshepsut with Kima Bob. What a vibe. And take a stitch in time as we discuss the Bayer Tapestry with Lou Sanders. Oh, I'm a gog. Plus we have many other lovely historical subjects where we'll be joined by top historians. That's You're Dead to Me with new episodes every Friday. Johnny Good, isn't it? Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Sports Social Podcast Network Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.